Fox Sports Radio. I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Wednesday. Hard Knocks premieres last night, or was it Loving Kisses the Dak? We're going to break it all down. Mike McCarthy is going to get some wrath from A.J. The Colts, yeah, they signed their coach and GM, but word is Carson Wentz and Gard Nelson are on track to be back for week one. How is the odds adjusted? And by the way, the team they're playing in week one, Seattle, they've got trouble. Brown holdout and Jamal Adams holdout. How does that affect the line? Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You heard it. I'm RJ live in Las Vegas, live on a Wednesday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. AJ Hoffman in studio. Sports be- or sports fans listen for well, betters listen for the money. Fans to know more than their buddies. We're the pros. He's the Joan L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got a couple of camp stories in the NFL, including two players. Hard knocks, hard knocks, hard knocks. (laughs) Two players that could be returning week one when it was thought they were going to be out for a significant amount of time. But what is the Vegas lead here on this Wednesday? Oh, Dakota Prescott. What? I mean, his PR agent works for hard knocks. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and it was uh, last night, Hard Knocks, the premiere this season, the Dallas Cowboys, third time for Dallas being on Hard Knocks. But in this in this edition of Hard Knocks, it was all about Dak Prescott, and there was a lot of love being shown to Dak Prescott coming off last year's season-ending injury. Okay, so I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, so we're going to go A.J., then Jonas. What was your number one impression, takeaway? AJ. It was that Dak Prescott is going to be the the beloved central figure of this season of hard knocks. There was no there really was very little talk about his current health situation. It almost just seemed like they were throwing flowers at him for the whole time. Well, but the thing about hard knocks is it's got a lag, right? And if anything, it seems like oftentimes we the first episode lags even more. They need extra production time. You know, they do backstories. So, I mean, was it a situation where you thought there was an evident place they should have been talking about his arm injury, or maybe that's next week? I'm guessing it's going to have to be next week, but when they say, when he said that last season was a season of difficulty, this season will be a season of triumph, well, seemed like a good spot to say, well, triumph may have to wait a little while because... Except, well, what are they supposed to do? Put a, a voiceover that says, well, this is recorded on July 29th. I mean, so, Jonas, on that question first, do you and again, it's hard to know what day it is exactly. Did you get a sense that they were hiding the injury or they just weren't there in the timeline? No, I actually thought was mo- what was most interesting is the fact that they opened up the show and they, they made it made a point to say how eager Dak was to get out there. So much so that they were talking about the metric system they have in place for him as far as how much time he can practice and how many plays and series he can be out there. And they show him throwing a fit, cursing, complaining to teammates, complaining to coaches, so on and so forth forth and then it turns out that he suffers the arm issue and I just wondered if they made it a point to say hey this arm issue isn't on us we had a metric system in place to make sure he didn't overdo it but clearly something happened and now he's dealing with the ailment now listen I think we established a while back that I'm very patriotic compared to you two. I am. I do not like the metric system. I like ounces. I like inches, <laughs> millimeter, centimeter. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. 
I don't even know what cubic something. I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I, I don't care if you're divided by 16s and it's harder than 10s. <laughs> you know, that when I was a kid, that was a big debate. Like all the smart countries, like in, you know, like in the 80s, it was like all the smart countries are on the metric system and we're dopes because we're on the American, you know, whatever you call the inches and all that. I don't even hear about the metric system. Are we going to win out in the long term? Do you think, think everybody else will adjust? I think all that talk, they said, oh, you got to learn a second language. And I said, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> and I actually took correspondence for my second year of Spanish. <laughs> I know about eight words, but I did get an A in the correspondence. So we won that battle. No one's talking about a second language these days. I mean, hey, listen, if you know it, it's great. But back then it was like, oh, the whole world's going to be talking, you know, no, 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 English. And then I think we won with the inches. What about daylight savings time? Is that the next battle? Well, who's on which side of that? I, I'm out on it altogether. I don't want it. Okay, well, write a letter. And we'll I will. See how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kind of like that one part of Indiana that doesn't have it. We are straight out of Vegas. Now, Mike McCarthy, Ooh. it strikes me that, um, well, AJ, you didn't think he came off. To, I heard. Uh, Hugh Jackson references in pre-production. Yeah, it seems like he's a little bit out of touch. The mojo moments with the Austin Power, like a 20-something-year-old movie reference that clearly nobody in the room really understood what the hell he was talking about. So, Austin Powers is too old. I would think that's a modern reference. That's 20-plus-year-old movie. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Maybe you're showing your age here. Well, I mean, I I certainly am old school. I love the classics, though Austin Powers, to me, was, you know, I'm thinking Animal House was the classics. (laughs) Fast Times at Ridgemont High. But... uh, Let's make the following case. They can cut that film any way they want. Sure. Jerry Jones is the most powerful man in the NFL, or owner, I think. You know, maybe the commissioners kind of got more power at this point, though I wouldn't say that was the case five years ago. There's kind of been a little struggle, and I think Jerry's lost a little bit. But I have zero doubt he's got a stooge in that editing room, at least observing, giving you know, notes. And isn't it interesting that is McCarthy the one person you could say they cut it in a way that made him look bad? And if so, what does that say about Jerry Jones's intentions or agenda when it comes to McCarthy? If that is the case, then well, what, what, what do we debate that, that Jerry Jones has someone that is seeing this before? Obviously, the Cowboys are seeing it before, yep. right? So the, the, if if Jerry Jones would have said, "Cut that old joke," he sounds like he's a dinosaur. Well, they would have cut it, right? Or Jerry Jones, also a dinosaur, thought that that was actually irrelevant. Well, I don't think Jerry Jones has a problem with PR. Right. I mean, he knows how to shape the narrative, wouldn't you say? Sure. So, Jonas, what do you think? Do you think they cut it hard knocks negatively or at least left in some bad things with the coach that maybe did not need to be left in? I mean, I don't know that they would have gone as far as throw him under the bus like that, but I do 100% think Jerry Jones had a, definitely a final say on the finished version of what was aired on HBO. I, I just came away from last night thinking, and and just hearing Mike McCarthy and the references and the back and forth and all that, I, outside of Rex Ryan and John Gruden, has any coach ever wanted to be on Hard Knocks? Like, this just seems like a, like a terrible idea through and through. Okay, except terrible for who? The Cowboy for the, the Cowboy brand, the Cowboy brand exactly. is benefiting. Yes. Right? Yes, that's the only one. 
And that's what Jerry Jones is worried about. Yes. By the way, there was an offshore prop. Who would speak first on hard knocks? McCarthy, the head coach, or the owner, Jerry Jones? Actually, the owner was a plus 150 underdog, and he won. Jerry Jones spoke <laughs> first. I wonder if that's the only time in the history of Hard Knocks, except maybe the other Cowboys episodes, that the owner talked before the coach on the show. <laughs> like, I can't see the Roonies being out there in front of the mic all that no. much. No. Now, Kraft might be. I, you know, I don't know. We're straight out of Vegas. What did you think, Jonas, about Dak letting it drop in a way about the second ankle surgery? And here's the quote. We kept it down. Nobody knew that. Austin Powers is cool. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) We kept it down. Nobody knew that. Boy, that seems to just follow through with it's a purposeful deception which goes on when it comes to injuries in the NFL. Yeah, and they really played it up where they showed the scar, and I think his line was, uh, now it's a wishbone or something like that was the, was the way the scar looked based off the second surgery. It, it was clear, and, and I, I just wonder if this is going to be the theme throughout, if they're going to identify that Dak Prescott is going to be the guy or they're going to do episode by episode and they'll switch it up as we go along. Um, I, I just, there was also a little awkward back and forth between him and Mike McCarthy, where Mike McCarthy was like, uh, see, man, don't you want to be out here for this mojo stuff? And Dak said, yeah, listen, uh, I want to be out there as bad as anybody. And McCarthy was like, no, no, I'm just teasing you. I'm just giving you a hard time. Like, it felt like there's still a little bit of awkwardness between those two. Ooh, that's Jonas Knox. I'm R.J. Bell. A.J., what did you think of the Dak um, reveal uh, of the second surgery? I was surprised by it. The fact of it. Yeah, the fact that it happened. And really the fact that they were able to keep it under wraps, because that's typically something that someone along the way leaks out and we hear about it and somebody asks a question and they're forced to address it. So kudos to the Cowboys, I guess, for keeping that thing under wraps as well as they did. Except, isn't it, aren't they supposed to keep the public informed of the health when there's millions of dollars being bet on these games? I don't know that there's any rules that say they have to do that in the offseason. Well, I, there's rules during the season and, they, and no team seemed to do it then either. That's true. And again, I, I'll predict this about three times every year. So it's, it's very clear there will be a major class action lawsuit against a team that is deceptive at some point. And it will be a major reckoning because this is not very, the NFL makes direct money from gambling. It's not like, oh, we don't know anything. There's no gambling in Casablanca. No, they're making money directly from it at this point. So, if you are in a type of partnership, you could make the case with the act of the or the gambling industry, it, it becomes a lot like the SEC. It becomes a lot like the Securities and Exchange Commission saying, hey, if you got a stock, you can't have inside information. Weren't there people that filed lawsuits? I know there were people that were complaining and, and you know definitely tried to get their money back. And I thought that lawsuits were a part of it when it was revealed that Pacquiao had a torn rotator cuff heading into the Mayweather fight. And, and it wasn't revealed. And afterwards, some people felt like they got burned because it was a $100 pay-per-view. And then some other people may have had money on it. And they were bothered that the injury wasn't revealed. I remember that at the time of the suit. We'll look it up during the break. Obviously, it didn't make big news. It's going to have to... The thing about these... And again, I'm no attorney. But I considered law school is the fact that... The fact that the, thankfully, I didn't go. But the fact of the matter is... 
the standing. Oh, they don't have standing. That is half the battle. Is 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 can they prove to the court that they're able to sue? That they have a right to sue? And oftentimes it's going to be thrown out on that. Okay, this is from Time Magazine. It's flashing. Pacquiao is facing a five million dollar class action lawsuit. What's the date on that? May 6, 2015, so literally two days after the fight. Okay, so that confirms what we all knew. Now let's find out what actually happened. Um, boy, that's been five, almost six years ago. Wow. Wow. So it should just be making it to court. <laughs> Probably so. Here's the thing about. <laughs> that's fresher than the, uh, the spy who shagged me. <laughs> uh, if I did any Austin Powers imitations, I would right now. All right, so. Just so AJ doesn't go further, we're going to take our first break. (laughs) When we come back, we're going to finish up with Hard Knocks. And McCarthy specifically saying the playoffs aren't enough. We got the numbers that show how foolhardy that statement was. That's coming up next. But first, Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. Dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a look back at episode one of Hard Knocks. Oh, yes. And we got the odds. How do the odds stack up for the Cowboys against the Bluster? This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Speaking of Bluster, and you know why? Because of you spreading the word, and we'll keep working extra hard to provide entertainment and profitable information. Money, as they say, or at least the potential of money. How's your betting, AJ, gone since you've been in Vegas? Uh, well, against you, it's not gone well. Well, you know, you got to learn that lesson. Yeah. But in, have you been playing the tables or anything? I haven't gone out and done any tables yet. I'm, I've been, I've been working, RJ. All right, all right, I can hear you. Here in Vegas, on the Strip, 99 degrees, and the neon is flowing. So, RJ, we've been talking about episode one of Hard Knocks. It's the third time the Dallas Cowboys have been featured on HBO's show as they get ready for the 2021 season. No team has ever been on... Wouldn't be the 2021 season, would it? Yeah. 21-22. Yeah, I mean, 2021. I mean, Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No. I'm just thinking. It's like it is twenty. It's almost 2022. I, know, I mean, it's that, crazy. I, that is kind of crazy, actually. I can remember when it was 2000. Oh, anyway, <laughs> 1979 when I was a kid. All right. So if you look at, hmm, let's look at the Super Bowl odds because one of the things that we preach, and it's just so true, is different betting markets have different audiences or betters, participants. So the Super Bowl market is often recreational. People travel to Vegas, travel to wherever, they get a ticket, they put it in their wallet, they show it to people, you know. 
the Cubs used to have that all the time, Cubs fans. And they had a lot of tickets in the scrapbook. And then they finally won. So, but then you got other markets, like let's say week one NFL betting, though like weeks and weeks ahead of time. That is a bigger market. You could make the case you could get more down in week one, and it's a more sophisticated market. Well, what's happened in the last couple of days? In the Super Bowl market, Dallas has improved their odds. They were 33 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, and now they're 30 to 1. So it was a little tick. Now, what caused that? Oh, I don't know. The recreational batters, they see them on TV and they go, oh, look, the blue star. Maybe I should put a little money on them to win it. Dak looks like he's healed. He had two surgeries. That foot must really be fixed or <laughs> that leg. Okay, that's one approach. And then there's the smart better saying, hmm, he hasn't practiced for over a week. They make a big production out of him playing catch on the sidelines like he's a grandpa. I think maybe week one might be a vulnerable spot for the Cowboys. Oh, by the way, they go to Tampa. The line was six and a half. Dallas underdog. Now it's seven. So one market fading the Cowboys, specifically early in the year, where Dak being behind in camp and all that might be more of an effect. And the recreational better say, give us some Cowboys. Because, you know, they got to have a better chance than 30 to 1. I mean, with that defense. <laughs> any, um, any thoughts on the D? Any thoughts on Quinn? No, it, it, they didn't focus on it much during the episode, I guess. Well, so the team doesn't. Uh, on well, defense. Yeah, that's not their thing. That's not how they. Uh, <laughs> that's play. not their thing. No, but uh, it, I, I cert- there was certainly nothing in episode one that made me feel better about that, that side of the football coming into things. McCarthy said. The playoffs aren't enough. Well, in the last 11 seasons, the Cowboys have made the playoffs three times. So, when you're three out of 11 as an organization and you're 0 for 1, I think, why set the bar higher than that? I mean, like, could you see them make the playoffs, losing the, and even if they somehow win the division, and let's say, well, they're not going to get the bye, but most likely. But imagine they make the playoffs, they go like 11 and 6. They have a good year. Now, remember, we got Washington at plus 350 to win the division months ago. So, we're not hoping for that with Dallas. By the way, it's about plus 250, so we got good value there. But then they lose in the first round, and the tapes start replaying. Oh, playoffs aren't enough. I mean, that was not smart. And this coming from a guy who I would make the case McCarthy's PR is what got him this job. Because remember, Jonas, when it was he had that 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 gap year after yeah. Green Bay, yeah. and he put together like a shadow organization, yeah. and he they were crunching the film. Remember that? Yeah, and uh, they were in like a barn in Wisconsin uh, with like a, in the lab, so to speak, and it was him and some other assistant coaches, you know, getting and, ready and for some, the and season. armed armed guards. Yes. I think there was. <laughs> I don't see a lot of the results of those analytics. It seems like a, a guy who's you know not made the playoffs since 2016 has had a losing record the last few seasons. Maybe the playoffs would be – it's a nice first step. Maybe, maybe focus on that. But it seems like – and the reason he got the job, I, I think the reason that he, he keeps getting chances despite the well, fact that I don't think off, he's, he's much gotten, of a coach. He's gotten one chance after Green Bay. Okay, do you think he should have gotten that chance? I, he lost with Aaron Rodgers. Who can do that? Well, Aaron Rodgers has done a pretty good job of it ever since. What, what have they won? 
Well, they. I mean, well, they certainly weren't going seven and nine, four and seven. Well, that's only Let when it. he got hurt. Okay. There was never a time that they had a blow, or even a 500 record when Aaron Rodgers was So, McCarthy somehow got Aaron Rodgers hurt. I'm just saying McCarthy Boy, this, seems to be riding high on that one Super Bowl win from 2010. Like, it's uh, that's going to have him a lifetime gig. I don't get it. Well, that happened after Austin Powers. So, I mean, it's, it's not like it's fresh that, to him. It's fresh to me as a Steelers fan. I can't lie. We're straight out of Vegas. Here's the thing, and, and I say this sincerely. And I'll, to show how sincere I am, I'll quote Socrates. A man who knows what he doesn't know knows a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the X's and O's of football to the degree that I can critique McCarthy. What I can critique are things like two-point conversion decisions, fourth-down decisions. And you know what? That's a tiny part of the game. And all the wannabe sharps, wannabe analytics gurus on Twitter, they're all critiquing those moves when they don't understand that. And that's something now Belichick actually gets critiqued on. Oh, he used to be at the forefront of going forward on fourth. Now he doesn't go on fourth enough, which is like, really, if Belichick does it, assume it's right and figure out why you're wrong if it involves football. But I can't judge McCarthy. You, I think, are falling prey, A.J. Hoffman. Some call you A.J. Hawk is the idea. <laughs> is the idea idea that you um but Rogers in the pack wait I got a yellow flash here went six nine and one and Rogers was healthy the whole year yeah played every game huh he, he got I, fired in week 13 McCarthy did yeah you know I tell you this Aaron Rodgers man it seems like he should give half his salary back for about three of the prior <laughs> years I think was that 2018 if I'm yes. not mistaken. Okay, yes. so because that was the year, remember it was the season opener against the Bears and he suffered that injury against the Bears on Sunday night and he came back in and won, but he was never quite right after that. She was saying he played, but he was banged up. Yeah, he was banged up. Well, he's banged up almost every year, right? He and, had the collarbone, and then, and then I, he had the year. Yeah. And I think what got McCarthy fired was they lost at home to the Cardinals because we talked about it on the air afterwards because Arizona was a significant underdog on the road. Josh Rosen was the starting quarterback, and right after that game is when they fired McCarthy. Well, listen, if you have Josh Rosen's one victory. Yeah, McCarthy was the guy, That huh? doesn't look good. I mean, that doesn't <laughs> look good. All right, but here, here's the thing. You've got to give the Cowboys this. If you look at their injuries last year, and we all know about Dak, but Pro Football Focus has a system which is called a war, which is wins over replacement, lost by injury, or some variation of that. And it's new. And they went back to 2012, I think. So let's say about nine or so years. And the Dallas Cowboys had the second most lost wins to injury of any team during all that time. And interestingly, the 49ers last year had the most. So those two were the two biggest number of lost wins. So 49ers lost 2.6 wins to injury, meaning if all their players were healthy the entire year, they would have won another two and a half games or so based on PFF. The Vikings were the healthiest team. They lost about 0.4, uh, 0.4 wins, so a little less than half a win. So Vikings lose half a game. 49ers lose two and a half games. 
that shows you how big injuries can be. And this is the first system that accounts for who's injured. Because if you just count starters missed, okay, your punter's out, it counts the same as your quarterback. And that's all anyone's ever done. This is innovative. And if one of the things you want to do is say, especially if someone lost a lot but didn't get hurt at quarterback, because everyone can remember Dak was out. Everyone remembers Garoppolo was out. But you look at the, you know, people remember Breeze was out. The Saints were there. Bengals are third, so okay, this is lost to injury. Here's what's interesting. The Jets are fifth. So I don't think of the Jets as being really banged up last year. So that's a team you think, okay, maybe they were a little underrated. Now, obviously, they were rated very low. But let's get back to the Cowboys. They had a lot of lost games to injury and Dak obviously being at the forefront. If Quinn can turn this defense around, I mean, I think the offense is almost certainly going to be good. I mean, if you had to rank the offense right now, AJ, where would you put the Dallas Cowboys offense? Assuming health, I, w- I would say they're a top top five, six offense in the league. Jonas. Yeah, 100% agree. And if that offensive line gets back to anywhere close to where they were, a Zeke, and, and they were talking about him coming in uh, to this season and more in shape than he was last year, um, and that wide receiver trio, Gallup, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, I mean, they're in the conversation for top two or three best wide receiver combos in the NFL. So they've got a lot going on there. I agree. And remember, Dak, before his injury, was on fire. with the. Yeah. I mean, even though they weren't winning games. If you actually look at the power ratings at ESPN, and they've got the their index, FPI it's called, they've got the Cowboys ranked 15th in the entire league, and they've got their offense 10th. Hmm. That seems a little pessimistic. I think Dallas's offense, though, let's be honest, Elliot ever since he signed that contract, I think he hasn't been in real good. I mean, that Cabo just took it out of him. The same, <laughs> if you run on the sand, it's problematic. I think there's that plus as we've been kind of discussing on this show, the the questions about Dak and and the fall off if Dak is not what he was to start last season or what he's been in the past. There, there's a pretty big drop off after Dak Prescott if he's not 100%. Yeah, but which which team isn't a drop off after the starting quarterback? Well, but, but we're talking about a guy who had a catastrophic injury last year, and we haven't seen anything of him in the preseason to make you think better. Is catastrophic the right adjective? Catastrophic sounds like something you don't come back from. Like if, if I when say, your legs folded in half someplace other I'm than the knee, he just signed a contract for like the richest, one of the richest contracts in history, Jonas. Yeah, I think uh, and, and we were talking about the situation earlier this morning. I was talking to Brady Quinn about it, and he told me he thinks, based on the details of the injury, this stuff with his arm, he thinks this is going to be something that pops up later in the season as well, too, that there's some sort of fatigue going on because you throw from your base, he's unsure of his base still, and because of it, he pushed too, fur, too far, and he's going to have issues with the arm later on in the season as well. You know, we talked about that same thing. And coming from a quarterback, that really makes the case. I think that it makes sense. And that throughout the, now the theory is now he starts thinking about it. So he's trying to rotate the hips yeah. more. And then if you're thinking it's a problem. By the way, he received a six-year, $240 million deal. That's almost a quarter of a billion dollars. I'm thinking the Cowboys felt pretty good about the catastrophic injury. <laughs> 
Right, AJ? I, I, seems like the Cowboys feel good about it. They also <laughs> felt good about paying Zeke Elliott. How's that worked out? Uh, he's, he's wobbly, a little wobbly. <laughs> Dallas in 2019, that was Dak's last fully healthy season. DVOA, which is a way to rank based on football outsiders approach, and it's a very respected one. The Cowboys had the second-ranked offense in 2019. Mackenzie, go back and, and, and look when the before Dak got hurt. So I think he played what four games? Is where were they ranked last year? You can go back week by week. Got it. All right. Let's see. What we'll do is we're gonna get that answer and we're gonna talk because AJ in pre-production, it was like Seattle. And it's like, I don't know. Because Seattle he kept just saying Seattle. <laughs> so we're gonna AJ's gonna somehow redeem himself here and make Seattle interesting. Finishing up the Cowboys, Dak got hurt in week five through four weeks last season. Surprisingly, Dallas and DVOA from Football Outsiders was only 11th on offense. Dak was thrown for massive yardage, but it wasn't super efficient. We're straight out of Vegas. A.J. Hoffman, Seattle. Seattle making decisions or not making decisions right now. And they've got a couple guys holding out. Dwayne Brown and Jamal Adams. And we heard Russ Wilson last year say, I got I to gotta have help standing up. Although you could argue offensive line, could not argue. as bad as he made it seem. Well, well, first off, could argue, I mean, by any objective measure, an above average offensive line last year. And ESPN has him like seventh in pass blocking specifically, which is what Russ is complaining about. And I will pose the following question. When's the last time you heard a quarterback returning to a team, not retiring or leaving, and complaining about the O-line? Like, tell me the other instance of this. Doesn't happen often. And it's an above – no, you're saying uh, – Not that I can remember at all. Jonas, can you recall? No, not publicly. Not at all. But somehow an above-average offensive line gets heat? I don't understand it, but go ahead. Either way, Dwayne Brown, the the best guy on their offensive line, the left tackle, wants to get some money. That so he's is holding he under, out. Is he under contract? He's, I think he's under the last on the last year of his deal. So he's he's got he's, a deal. Uh, got a deal. But he doesn't want to honor it. Apparently not. Okay, so Seattle's making a mistake. And it's oh, I'm not saying they're making a mistake. Well, you no, know, what are you what are you saying, Seattle? You kept saying. I think like, what they're doing take? is, and the the other guy who's holding out is Jamal Adams, who's underperformed. He's not been good since he's been in Seattle. But they feel a pressure because they gave up two first round picks to get Jamal. Well, Adams. Apparently, they don't feel too much pressure. Well, there's still certainly a discussion. Normally, if you've got a guy who's a, a top 10 offensive tackle in the league or a guy who's been a below average safety, there's not much discussion on which one of those guys you want to keep. Well, right now, there is, though. So you think Jamal Adams is a below average safety? I think he was last year. A below average. Like, literally, if you take the league, you would say you'd rather have half the safeties other than Adams. Uh, says here he was below starter he- level per PFF last year. Okay, so, so there, I mean, there's a metric. You know, there's a lot of PFF guys that will come on and read their stats. I mean, <laughs> I, I I don't really. It seems to me that the narrative, and again, we can question that, was he was doing so much for them. His he was the best rusher on the team. And Jonas, just your eye test, it felt like maybe by the typical metrics, it could have been a down season. But he felt instrumental to that defense. Yeah, I mean, he led them in sacks, I think. But I I think that was more of a 
a case of they had so little of a pass rush that they needed Which whatever Which makes him valuable, right? Yeah, it, it makes him valuable. I just wonder if the conversation is different if Dwayne Brown's a little bit younger. Because if Dwayne Brown's a little bit younger, to me, it's a no-brainer. I mean, I'm signing him, and, and you figure it out with Jamal Adams. I just think when it comes to impact players on the field, you know, offensive tackle protecting your franchise quarterback has way more value than Jamal Adams would at this point. Though I would make the case that they traded – a, a, a shocking number of picks for Adams yeah. because in that is that Seattle cover three I think as it goes right is that that's something that, that, that having that monster safety is so valuable one that can play almost like a big nickel linebacker so he can go up to the line he can rush he can defend the run and he's decent in coverage though not great last thought I, I think what you said is apt though that they did give up two first round picks to get him and if you give up two first round picks and then you let him walk for whatever reason, but he's it's on, not a he's good on look. contract this year. One, too, year, right? one year left. Yep. Jeez, I, I've never seen. I mean, um, <laughs> and, and by the way, in pass rush, Adams had an 87 grade. So obviously something very good. I got to say, AJ, hmm. I was trending on Twitter before the game was even over. You're not trending on Twitter from that one. <laughs> when we come back, <laughs> no more Seattle talk, but we will transition to the team they're playing in week one, the Colts. Uh-oh, Wentz might be back. How did the line adjust? That's coming up next, but first straight out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. Dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., we've been talking about the situation in Seattle. They've got a couple of star players there who are not happy with their contract status. It is Dwayne Brown, the veteran offensive tackle, and Jamal Adams, both of whom they made major trades for in the past couple of years. Didn't we promise the audience no more Seattle talk? <laughs> but AJ was making the case feverently during the break. I think he's got a point. So his point is maybe Seattle should just roll over with these guys if that's what Russell Wilson wants. And that, I hate that. If you own a team, you're rolling over because an employee wants you to pay someone more than they deserve. But quarterbacks are so important in the NFL now. It's not even like you can't win without an elite quarterback. At least you can't win a Super Bowl. I mean, Nick Foles aside, if let's say God himself came down and said, Dwayne Brown is not worth what he's asking. He's going to be overpaid by $3 million if you pay him this. And by the way, he's got a contract. And it's like, we know, we know, but $3 million more. We don't want God just told us. But is $3 million extra to please Russell Wilson may be worth it. That was your point. That's my point. And a guy who last season basically said, this is the list of teams I'd like to be traded to, seems like Seattle would go out of their way to keep that guy happy. And if that means overpaying for Dwayne Brown and Jamal Adams, if you're Seattle, that's the right thing to do. Because if Russell Wilson does force his way out of town, you're let you're left with a pretty bad franchise, a pretty bad roster. Well, I think anyone losing a franchise quarterback, it's a disaster. There's never been a franchise quarterback that left 
if you think about it, Peyton Manning got pushed out of town because they thought he was done, and Kirk Cousins, right? And uh, Drew Brees because he had a hurt arm. So, I mean, they, franchise quarterbacks don't leave in the NFL, but maybe they do. Right now, as we move forward, look what Deshaun is doing. Deshaun listed his fourth on the depth chart with the Texans. Well, but in that case, that's Houston <laughs> wanting to get him out of town after the issues. So, to me, I don't listen. Russell Wilson doesn't have a bad history to me being difficult. So, I won't, cons- I won't compare it to negotiating with terrorists. Now, Aaron Rodgers is difficult. <laughs> so, what I'll say is, I'm not making any comparisons, <clears throat> but what I'll say is, once you start, you never stop. So, maybe with Russell Wilson, but they made a couple, they made, they traded for what? The center, they, they, you know, just to kind of bring in a new lineman to placate him a little bit. I think it's probably enough. That and the 40 mil, it's probably enough for a guy who literally was like 23rd in PFF in the second half of last season. Though you don't think that means anything. I think overall it was a pretty good season for Russ. You may want to keep him It happy. was a very good first half. That's A.J. Hoffman. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Jonas, we got the Colts. It might look better than we thought. Yeah, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson spotted at practice in the last couple of days after surgery, and there's no Walking boot, no visible limp, according to several reports. So the Indianapolis Colts and Frank Reich feel like there's a good possibility both these guys could be ready week one of the season. The betting market is skeptical. So the line was, and this is Seattle at Indy, and before the injury, it was the Colts favored by two and a half at home. Now, home field advantage, about two and a half is probably right at this point. COVID is a question mark to some degree where the stadiums be totally full, so two and a half. Okay. After the injury announcement, it moved quickly to Seattle, favored by th- three or so, and then it even drifted to three and a half. At that high point, the Colts plus three and a half, I gave it to all of you. <laughs> and... Let's just say this. You're thanking me right now because with this news, it's down to Seattle two and a half. But Jonas, it's only, I mean, off of three is a big number. No doubt about it. But it was minus three, Seattle on the road favored. Now they're minus two and a half. The line was two and a half Colts. So there's like five points to go. Generally, you're going through pick them, but five points to go to get back to him playing. Though I will say, I will say this. Uh, Mike Lombardi, friend of the show, told was on his podcast saying he heard from an insider that this is either they'll be ready in five weeks or the 12 weeks, whatever that range was, meaning this is kind of an A or B. It's not like some range of that. It either goes really well and they are ready probably for week one or it doesn't and it's going to extend a long, long way up into you know 12 extra weeks. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas. We will be back tomorrow right here on Fox Sports Radio, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific here on FSR. And as always, you can check out Straight Out of Vegas every single weekday on the iHeartRadio app.